I was finally graduating from the University of Iowa with a very lucrative degree in art history. <laughs> yeah. When I contacted my dad, or my dad contacted me rather, to make arrangements to move me back home to Des Moines upon graduation. And frankly, I could think of nothing worse. I grew up in the Des Moines of the late 80s and early 90s, and if you can remember back that far, there wasn't much for young people to do. The millennials of today don't know how good they've got it. My not too distant future flashed before my eyes, and I worried that if I moved back to Des Moines, that would be the end of adventure. I thought maybe the best I could do was to marry an insurance salesman and barbecue with folks from high school, and... <laughs> While that might work for some, I knew it wasn't going to work for me. So I needed a plan, I needed action, I needed to make something happen and fast. So I applied for a second term in the Domestic Peace Corps, as this was not my first time embracing restlessness. But this time, I asked to be sent as far away as I could get. <laughs> to Alaska, the last frontier and home to my new adventure. I was placed in the state capital, Juneau, and after a year of working with adults, I learned that I like kids a lot better. <laughs> so I decided to pursue a graduate degree in elementary education, and things were going well. I uh, knew I was on the right career path. My goals upon graduation would be to move to the lower 48, to get a great teaching job, to wear cute shoes, <laughs> and after two years of living in Alaska, to date men with a full set of teeth. One day at a program meeting, it was announced that we would need to do a rural teaching experience in the bush, the Alaska wilderness. I'm not sure what my face looked like when I heard this, but my brain was exploding. If I were a cartoon, there would be a giant no written over my head. I felt a little sick and I felt a little defiant. That's when my friend Greg intervened. Greg was an old timer, he was 50. And he had spent, uh, he was becoming a teacher, but he'd spent his whole career traveling around Alaska. And he implored me to go on this trip, saying I would regret it forever if I did not go. I told Greg that going to the middle of nowhere Alaska in the wintertime sounded like the opposite of fun. Wasn't it dangerous out there? What if I got hurt? What if I died? Greg and I went back and forth like this for a while, and then we reached the real crux of the matter. I would not graduate if I did not go. <sighs> so we rolled out a map and looked for a place where I surely would not die. After much talk talk, I chose my destination, and in February of 2002, with the temperature at negative 50 degrees, I began my real Alaska adventure. My bush pilot, Loretta, sat right in front of me in the smallest plane I had ever been in. It looked well past its prime, small six-seater prop plane. She turned to me, looked me dead in the eyes, and said, how much do you weigh? <laughs> I hesitated, and she said, this would not be the time to lie.
back to the giant scale that they'd weighed my luggage on inside the airplane hangar, and it occurred to me that if telling the truth about my weight was integral to keeping the plane in the sky, I should probably do that. So I gave my weight plus 10 pounds, just to be safe. <laughs> we took off uneventfully, and she told me we would be crossing the Arctic Circle, and I thought, well, I'm still really focused on dying or not dying at this point. And I thought, well, if this plane goes down, at least it will be a great story for folks back home in Iowa. <laughs> staring out the landscape, staring out the window at the landscape below, I was struck by the snow covered, it was fairly flat, snow covered with a few scrubby trees, and it was not unlike Iowa farmland in the winter. Curiously, down below, I spotted a little yellow rectangle with a flashing light and realized that it was a school bus, and that was my ride. <laughs> we landed on a glorified driveway and skidded to a stop, and I got on that bus. Me, the milk, and the male had just arrived in Circle, Alaska, <laughs> population 85. Circle is a small collection of low buildings along the Yukon River. The driver dropped me off at the largest building, and uh, I was introduced to the two teachers. They were sisters, and one was in charge of high school and junior high, and the other was in charge of elementary. They showed me the two-classroom school and ushered me through a locked door into their living quarters. When I entered... <laughs> The living room, the small living room, it was floor-to-ceiling VHS tapes. The place rivaled Blockbuster. <laughs> and on one wall, there was a huge aerial photograph of a house in Arizona where they planned to retire. <laughs> Goals. And right underneath of that, instead of a couch, there was a giant hot tub. I was impressed. Then they showed me to my quarters. I would be staying in a closet <laughs> on a cot connected to the elementary classroom. The closet was so narrow that I would need to crawl from the bottom of the cot to the top in order to sleep. And honestly, at this point, I was so overwhelmed with exhaustion that I was more than content to sleep next to the temper paint and the, under the flashing lights of the computer server. The next morning, I was eager to get started, and I crawled to the bottom of my cot, <laughs> and I opened the closet door, and I flipped on the classroom lights, and I headed out to the school bathroom in the hallway, where I took the coldest shower of my life. And when I emerged from that bathroom, I was met by about a half dozen school children <laughs> in fur hats and cold weather gear, uh, staring at me in my pajamas. It turns out that turning on the classroom lights is the signal to the village that it's time to start school. And I had, I had just woken up the whole town an hour early. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't make that mistake again. In Circle, I was learning how to manage a classroom of first through fifth graders. And I have to tell you that training to be a teacher is just as difficult and intense as actually being a teacher except you know nothing and, and you have no skills and it's like that for a while. You're out on a limb, you're just trying to do your best for kids and not screw anything or anyone up. 
As the days progressed, I fell into a routine. Um, life at, uh, no, I fell into a routine. <laughs> life at negative 50 doesn't allow for vanity. When you leave a heated building, your nose immediately runs and the snot freezes to your face. <laughs> you get used to it. Greg's wife had loaned me a parka, um, and I brought it with me so I would not die. But I didn't want to wear it at first, because this parka was ridiculous. It was a little too small, but very warm, bright red, and it was trimmed in wolverine claws. <laughs> These claws rested right on top of my breasts. <laughs> and when I walked, they would wave from side <laughs> to side. I was mortified. But I started wearing that parka because it was cold and fashion didn't seem so important anymore. I got better at putting on my outdoor gear and I even ventured down the road to mail some letters to my family. Um, it took me a long time, a ridiculously long time to walk in that cold weather, but it felt good to get out and into the village. Sometimes, the village came to me. One night after retiring to my closet, I, uh, I heard strange noises coming from the classroom and I went to investigate. And there I found the one medical professional in the village using the school computer. When I asked him what he was doing, he said he was looking for a wife by shopping for brides from Russia. And in that moment, I said a silent prayer of thanks that he had not found me suitable. <laughs> and I vowed then and there to not get hurt and need medical attention. <laughs> At the end of the first week, the teachers threw a dinner for me and invited people from the town. And uh, as I circulated throughout the party, people seemed to know a lot about me. It turned out that the postmaster and his wife had read all of my outgoing mail. <laughs> and they told everyone about me. I was the news, but I wasn't the only exciting thing happening in Circle. The following week, the Yukon Quest sled dog race came through town, and I got to serve pizzas from the back of a snow machine to dog racers and handlers, and it was pretty much the best time ever. So if I was having the best time ever, why all the drama about taking this trip? The truth was that I could not admit that I was scared, and I was a real jerk face about it. I had mostly embraced living in Alaska at this point, but it had never occurred to me that I was there to learn something. On one of my last nights in the bush, the teachers took me to a neighboring town that had a hotel with an outdoor swimming pool fed by hot springs. And as I changed into my swimsuit and hopped across the frozen pool deck and into the pool, it, <laughs> it occurred to me that I was having a once-in-a-lifetime experience in that very moment. We swam around the pool and laughing as our eyebrows froze over and our hair turned white and the northern lights came out and something inside me shifted that while I had been afraid of dying, I was actually getting what I wanted. This was the adventure I had asked for. Before coming to Circle, I didn't get 
that I was going to a predominantly Native village. I didn't understand the real trauma of Manifest Destiny or the detriment that white teachers could bring to a Native space. I didn't understand my own privilege, that I would even be so lucky as to have an adventure, that my own daily life was so safe that I could step outside of it to observe the lives of others. I didn't, I didn't get any of that until this trip. While I was in Circle, I learned that teaching is not a one-size-fits-all endeavor. I learned that identity matters and that I have to adjust to the kids, not the other way around. I carry the lessons of Circle with me as I teach and learn today. When it was time to leave, I was filled with more grace and more gratitude. For my last flight, I was sharing the plane with a young family from California. Mom, dad, two kids. And they had come to this remote part of Alaska because they had seen the Disney movie Snow Dogs. <laughs> I nodded as they told me all about it. And we descended into Arctic Circle. But this time the plane hit hard and it bounced three times. And I can still see the man's face as he turned to me and he grabbed my arm and he said, are we gonna be okay? And he panicked, you know, and I, I looked him dead in the eyes and I said, welcome to Alaska. You're going to have a great adventure. <laughs> Thank you.